Welcome to Table Flippers Podcast, an outreach of Greater Works Christian Church here in Lancaster, California. I am your host, Robert Enos. If you like what you hear, visit us at gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Find the Table Flippers link, click on it, and you'll get to our merchandise. Now, get ready for a huge dose of truth and a huge dose of common sense. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're back for another exciting episode. Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if today is going to be extremely exciting. I don't mean to sound like uh, I'm throwing a ranch into it or, you know, a, a cup of cold water on your warm fire or whatever the phrase or however it goes. But I want to talk to you about, I want to read a somewhat lengthy article to you from... Oh, where is this from now? The Epic Times. Yes, the Epic Times. And uh, this article is about uh, transgenderism. And it's really an interesting article. It's a little bit long. I really was wondering, should I or should I not? Because to just read a portion of it doesn't do it justice. However, the whole thing's a little lengthy. Not, not super long, but longer than I like to read only because I also like to give my critique. So if I give too much critique and read the whole thing, we're going to be here for quite a while. And I don't want to do that to my lovely listeners because, well, you are that important to me that I know you have a life to live. You have a world to take hold of. You have things to do. And I don't want to keep you from taking on the world. But at the same time, there's some certain things that I feel is important. So before I read this article or get into it, let me say something about uh, the whole trans the transgender ideology, that whole community, the transgender people, what they're facing. My heart goes out to them. The, uh, uh, everybody knows by now, if you know anything about me, you know that I, that I feel this is not normal. This is not healthy. As a matter of fact, a man that thinks he's a woman or a woman that thinks he's a man or, you know, this non-binary, I mean, all the way even to the point of some people now are wanting to identify as cats, of all things, cats, um, you know, grown men uh, in their 40s wanting to identify as like a four or five-year-old little girl and dress that way, or this Dylan Mulvaney who even went so far as to have some type of, at least from what I was told, some facial surgeries to look more feminine. Uh, if, if you cannot see that this is a mental illness, then honestly, honestly, whether you identify as transgender or not, uh, if you cannot understand and see that this actually is a mental illness, then in my opinion, you may be dealing with a mental illness all to itself because anybody in their right mind can look at this and say, that's not right. So when, if you do not have the ability to look at something that's so off and so wrong and so unnatural, and not see that it's wrong, and not see that it's unnatural, then again, you just may be dealing with a mental illness all yourself, or just it could be something as simple as just simple ignorance. But either way, it's a dangerous place to be because that level of ignorance or that level of mental illness can truly harm other people. 
And in this case, those dealing with this transgender ideology, this transgender mentality. I saw a, a meme recently that said something to the extent of, we are expect, expected to accept transgender people for who they are, even though they cannot accept, accept who they are. And when I, when I read that, I said, that's it. It's true. They demand that we, we uh, accept who they are, meaning if there's a man that wants to wear a dress and act like a woman, think he's a woman, we're supposed to accept that as normal. Yet they can accept that they are, in, in fact, men. Or women that want to act and dress like men, they want us to accept them for who they are, but they can't accept themselves for who they are. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is a sign, <laughs> and not a subtle sign, of mental illness. You accept me for who I am. I'm a cat. You're not a cat. You're a human being. How dare you? I'm going to cough a hairball on you. I mean, it's it's that silly, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, when you find these videos of men going off on people in stores and in, in, in different uh, businesses and such, you will call me ma'am. Well, okay, yes, sir. No, I said ma'am. I am a woman. And it's clearly some dude. Uh, standing in front of you. And I just had fun with trying to make my voice sound a little, little feminine, but most of them can't even do that. You will call me ma'am. How dare you? I am a woman, not a man. I am a ma'am. Uh, oh, okay. Yes, sir. No, I said ma'am. You shall address me as ma'am. Deep voice, Adam's apple flaring out. You know, clearly nothing feminine about them except the lipstick that they painted on. They didn't even have enough nerve to shave. And then they want everybody to treat them like a woman. Well, I'm sorry. I don't play in other people's fantasies like that. But nonetheless, I want to read this. And again, one of the reasons why I, I deal with this is really two reasons. Two reasons. Number one, it's just being forced on us. And it's out there absolutely everywhere. For you beer drinkers, you know this. Bud Light <laughs> for you Nike sports bra wearers, which should be women. You know, now they have Dylan Mulvaney prancing around in, in a sports bra, Nike does, trying to sell to women sports bras modeled by a man. Doesn't make sense. Tampax, tampons that only true biological females will ever use or ever need. Again, Dylan Mulvaney, a man, is their spokesperson, their model, whatever you want to call them. And it's really getting that strange, that weird. They're, they're forcing or wanting, coming to that place where they're wanting to force our children to be taught from transgender people. And they are in those public schools, uh, libraries, reading to them, all of these things, all of these things that are sick perversions. And, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to do? Well, we have to start fighting back. And when I say fighting back, I'm not talking about physical violence towards the transgender people, but that whole ideology that's being forced upon us where we're being forced to accept it as normal when it's not. It's clearly not. Anyways, let me read this. It says, and this is again from the Epic Times, in-depth experts link transgender ideology to elevated risk of violent radicalization. Ideology creates paranoid mindset that can lead people to blame others and society for their problems. 
And just below that title and subtitle, there's a picture of someone holding a sign that says, Stop Killing Trans People. Now, ladies and gentlemen, oh, and this picture was taken, uh, pro-transgender protesters in Chicago on May 3rd, 2017. So the picture is all the way from 2017. And it says, Stop Killing Trans People. Ladies and gentlemen, I, I didn't realize that there was a, like open season on transgender people. I honestly didn't. I didn't know that transgender people were being murdered or slaughtered in the streets. I haven't seen any. I honestly haven't seen any. I I mean, we've heard of certain incidences, but not enough to, to really say that this is like a pandemic or, you know, what do they call it? Genocide. <laughs> Uh, transgender side, whatever they want to call it, I it's not happening. It's not happening. And it's only happening in the minds of the paranoid, those that are dealing with serious mental and emotional problems. Anyways, this article is by, I, I'm going to try to say this person's name. I, I believe that it's pronounced Peter, but it's spelled P-E-T-R, Svab, S-V-A-B, S-V-A-B. So Peter Svab, and this is from April 19th, 2023. So, uh, oh, this is actually today. I didn't realize today was April 19th. Anyways, catching up with myself. So again, this is a little bit long. I'm going to try to read it a little bit quick, but clear enough so that you understand it and you get it. And I'm probably not going to interject too much into it myself, my opinions, because of the length of this. But I believe that it's important enough for all of us to understand uh, not only what this article says, but really what's behind it, the truth behind it. It says, ideology currently permeating the political movement around gender and transgenderism drives its adherents into psychological corners and makes them susceptible to radicalization, according to several experts on radical movements and religious extremism. I know I wouldn't give my opinion too much. So just as we get into this, you'll see this, but I just wanted to throw this out so you don't miss it at all. But many experts are starting to put transgender, transgenderism and the ideology of transgenderism on the same level as religion, because there's many things in the transgender movement that you can find in various religions of the world. All right. So, uh, and in this case, radical religions. Anyways, let me go on. The ideology imparts a simplistic, polarizing worldview that traps its victims in paranoia and rage, they said. The issue has come to the forefront recently with several high-profile incidents. On March 27th, Audrey Elizabeth Hale shot dead six people, including three children, at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, police said Hale identified as transgender. About a week later, a 19-year-old who was arrested in Colorado for attempted murder after police found in his home detailed plans for multiple school shootings, he identified as female. He identified as female, local news reported. Also in Colorado, one of the two murderers in the 2019 STEM School Highlands Ranch shooting, 16-year-old Alec McKinney, was a woman who identified as male. While the incidents don't add up to a trend, they may reflect a deeper problem. Surveys in recent years have revealed an elevated potential for radicalization among transgender people. Transgender and gender-diverse youth 
emerge as the group at the highest risk of support for VR or violent radicalization. This is in line with the results of a recent survey conducted during the pandemic that highlight, highlighted high levels of support for VR as well as psychological distress among gender minorities, said a paper based in 2021 survey of Canadian college students. Signs of psychological stress among transgender people are off the charts, with surveys indicating about 30% of them attempt suicide. I want to read just that sentence again so you get this, ladies and gentlemen. It says, signs of psychological stress among transgender people are off the charts, with surveys indicating about 30% of them attempt suicide. Underlying mental problems. If a person, especially a child, expresses discomfort with their gender, the matter should be handled thoughtfully on a case-by-case basis, experts have argued. I would want to ensure that people who continue to have problems with the sense of their body get serious medical attention and serious attention to all their emotional and psychological issues, said Philip Carl Salzman, emeritus professor of anthropology at McGill University. Salzman has dedicated the latter part of his career to studying the issue of freedom and equality. He noticed that rather than handling transgender cases individually, the approach has become a formalistic, fast-track gender affirmation policy. That, in and of itself, he considers irresponsible. Many of the people who are trans now have various or serious psychological comorbidities. Many of them are autistic. Many of them have deep depression, he said. So let me stop right there again, ladies and gentlemen, real quick. I've said it all along that this transgender ideology, transgenderism, is a mental issue. It's a mental illness. And as this doctor, who knows a lot more than I do about it, says basically the same thing. He says many of the people who are trans now have very serious psychological comorbidities. Many of them are autistic and many of them have deep depression. So very serious psychological comorbidities and deep depression, at least, are signs of mental illness, ladies and gentlemen. And these trans uh, transgender people deal with this and they're pushing this and trying to make it normal. Who in their right mind in their right mind, would do this. They wouldn't. Only people who either want to use them as pawns or are equally, you know, have um, mental illness on the same level as the people who are transgender. Those, that's really about the only two possibilities you can come up with. Anyways, let me go on. There's a vulnerable time in adolescence when people feel very disturbed, he said. For some, that may involve questioning their gender. But the great majority of young people who say they're not comfortable in their body desist from that claim once they've gone through adolescence, he noted. Yet now, there's a broad push to make gender questioning universal, especially among youth, and seemingly to encourage as many people as possible to settle on a gender other than the one they grew up with. They're being groomed to do this, Salzman said. Now, again, this is a professional, ladies and gentlemen. He says, they are being groomed to do this, Salzman said. They're being groomed to do it by teachers. They're being groomed to do it on social media. 
These things are being directed to them, being imposed on them. This push, this push has emerged as a consequence of mixing a legitimate medical condition of gender dysphoria, extreme discomfort with one's innate sex, with a radical political narrative he and others have observed. Us versus them. <clears throat> the political narrative around transgenderism posits that gender-diverse people are fundamentally at odds with people willing to live with their innate sex, who they are encouraged to call cisgender. So ladies and gentlemen, if you're just happy to be a heterosexual man who knows he's a man and happy with that, a woman who knows she's a woman and happy with that, you are a cisgender. I'm not really sure exactly what cisgender is supposed to mean, but I don't think it's a compliment. The article goes on to say, it's a neo-Marxist model that divides society into oppressors and victims and characterizes the victims as innocent and the oppressors as evil. So people who identify as victims feel justified in hating the category of people who are alleged to be their oppressors, Salzman said. This paradigm has been applied to Marxism in class, by critical race theory to race, by radical feminism to sex, and by queer theory to gender. For the adherents of the transgender ideology, cis hetero normativity is the enemy that wants to destroy them, Salzman said. This kind of worldview then fuels resentment, opposition, hate, and potentially violence, he said. It's a paranoid mindset, sent mind, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, let me start that one again. It's a paranoid mindset in the sense that all of your troubles are the result of what other people do to you. So my problems are not my problems. They are problems that have been foisted on me. Many parents struggle with their, their children's self-declared gender change, have reported their children speaking dismissively or resentfully about cis people as a group, especially when talking to their transgender friends. In general, cisgendered people are considered evil and unsupportive, regardless of their actual views on the topic. To be heterosexual, comfortable with the gender you were assigned at birth, and non-minority places you in the most evil of categories with this group of friends. Statement of opinions by the evil cisgendered population are considered phobic and discriminatory and are generally discounted as unenlightened, one parent said, according to a 2018 study. The Ideology prevents its followers from living a balanced way of life, according to Janice Fiamengo, a retired English professor at the University of Ottawa and expert on radical gender ideologies in the feminist realm. I think the main issue is the resentment that victim ideology inevitably produces victim ideology is grounded in the belief that one's group is uniquely victimized and that no one else suffers in the manner in which the victims does, she told the Epic Times via email. In this, it rejects the wisdom of most world philosophies and religions which understand that suffering is part of the human condition and that accepting suffering is necessary for wholeness and health. Precursors to Violence The oppressor-oppressed dynamic is one of four precursors to political violence that has many times ravaged various corners of the world over the past 100 years under the masthead of the isomers of equity, according to filmmaker 
Kurt J. Mungal, hopefully I said that correctly, who exhaustively documented the phenomenon in his documentary, Better Left Unsaid. Another precursor is the claim that evidence of oppression is the inequality between groups, the documentary says. In this context, trans activists most often point to the high suicide rates among transgender people, as well as anecdotal evidence of transgender people being murdered as evidence of transgenocide. Salzman rejected such a characterization. The idea that there is some campaign to kill trans people is totally imaginary and totally paranoid, he said. In 2021, there was one murder classified as a hate crime against a transgender or gender nonconforming person, meaning this identification alleged uh, figured in the crime's motive based on data from of about two-thirds of U.S. police agencies. In 2022, 38 transgender people were killed in violent incidents, according to Human Rights Campaign an LGBTQ lobby group. Given that transgender people make up an estimated uh, 0.6% of the population, the homicide rate would be about three to four times lower than in the general population. The, the group cautions, however, that the data is likely incomplete because the gender self-identification of the victim is not always reported. For cases where details have been reported the most prominent circumstances of the killing appear to be domestic violence and prostitution, according to an analysis by the Federalist Chad Felix Green. I want to stop and I want to read that again. So they're talking about um, transgender people being murdered. And a lot of people, transgender activists, are saying, see, there's a transgender genocide. They're trying to wipe us out. So in 2022, yes, 2022, 38 transgender people were killed in violent incidences. But it turns out that most of them, let me read this again, for cases where details have been reported, the most prominent circumstances of the killing appear to be domestic violence and prostitution, according to an analysis by the federal Chad Felix Green. So it was the transgender people that were being killed in domestic violence, someone that they were living with, okay, maybe it was a parent, um, maybe it was a lover, but nonetheless, domestic violence. So somebody very close to them and prostitution. So they were out there prostituting themselves, prostituting themselves and then being killed while prostituting themselves or picking up a prostitute. Okay. So this isn't like mobs of citizens from our neighborhoods driving around looking for transgender people just to jump out of their trucks and their cars and go beat them to death. You know, um, this isn't people walking into, you know, a, a gay bar or a transgender LGBTQ bar and killing everybody in the place. Although at one place it did happen, but it was another transgender person that did it. So even though it counts as far as them being murdered and it's terrible, it wasn't in any way a transgender genocide. So again, as he, and I agree with what Salzman said, it's, it's paranoia. And what is paranoia? It's part of mental illness, mental delusion. Okay, let me um, continue reading. The third precursor Jay Mungal pinpointed is a claim that peaceful dialogue and understanding between the groups is impossible since the dominant group's strategy is to retain its power. <laughs> so 
So all of you who are just heterosexual and you're happy to be that way, you want to retain your power as a heterosexual so you won't even want to talk to these transgender people. But let's go on. Trans activists have commonly argued that this issue cannot be debated because criticizing the ideology encourages people to dismiss the experiences of transgender people as imaginary. The implication being that this increases psychological stress on such individuals and increases the risk of suicide. Um, you see, ladies and gentlemen, it keeps coming back, in part at least, to transgender committing suicide, transgender people committing suicide. So if you try to talk to them and they get upset, they can go commit suicide. If they're just among one another, they get upset, they com commit suicide. They, they have so much stress in their life that they commit suicide. They have so much, that's again, what, do, what leads to suicide? Mental illness. And if you can't even have a dialogue with someone, anyone, without it leading to suicide, that person by default is already mentally ill, emotionally ill. Anyways, any attempts to approach the issue without total acquiescence to the ideology typically pr promotes drastic accusations. Disagreeing is hate speech, and hate is equivalent to violence, Salzman summarized. The final precursor Jay Mungal identified as a call for violence. Journalist Andy Go, it's N-G-O, Andy Go, has documented a number of examples of trans activists engaging in threatening or advocating for violence in just the past two weeks. While sporadic so far, such acts of violence seem to trace a broader ideological milieu. Thomas York, who holds a doctorate in religious studies, and previously lectured on religion, violence, and ethics at the University of Toronto, has noticed radicalization in the trans community bears similarities to Islamist radicalization. Though not religious per se, the trans ideology fits the functional definition of religion, meaning it serves the social function or the psychological function of a religion for its followers, York told the Epic Times. It does perform a lot of the same functions. It has rituals. It has a community. It has its own sense of good and evil, its own morality. Moreover, it shares the same characteristics of the radical movements of religious traditions that bring about religious violence, he said. After dialogue has been abandoned as a solution, violence is the next logical step. It's either they feel it's going to take too long or not going to work, that things are so wrong that there has to be this purge of the old world order, a violent purge, he explained. The violence is then framed as an act of self-sacrifice. They view themselves as martyrs, that, they, that they're defending a marginalized community that they feel is under attack, he said. Still, the individual usually needs to feel the violence would accomplish something, even meet with approval. They don't arise out of a vacuum. They are encouraged by a lot of people who that themselves would never engage in violence, he said. The community might publicly disavow the violence, but privately condone it or sympathize with it. Most Muslims don't agree with suicide bombers, but there is a large enough contingent within Islam that does believe it, that it encourages the suicide bombers to take action. They are actually venerated by numerous people in their community, and that's why it encourages them to do it, he explained. 
The terrorist act itself then doesn't need to accomplish much in and of itself, but rather purge the perceived evil symbolically. They can't eradicate the entire old world order by themselves, so they do it through this great symbolic gesture that they know is going to get attention, he said. Attention is at the heart of transgenderism, ladies and gentlemen, this desperate feel and need to be heard and understood and get the attention of the people and be accepted. And so it's like the little it's like the little kid who acts out just to get attention. The problem is these are not little children necessarily just acting out like throwing a tantrum in a store or raising their voice or breaking a window and then standing there in the hopes that they get caught. These are people that, as we have seen, in the not-so-distant past, will go out, buy a whole bunch of weapons, march into a school, and start shooting people up. Or march into a bar and start shooting people up. Anyways, let me continue this. I'm almost finished. It says, way out. Leaving a radical movement tends to be a painful experience, York said, speaking from a personal experience of being a radical animal rights and environmental activist in his youth. It brings a kind of feeling of euphoria to you to be part of a movement. You lose your identity in it and you become part of this group and you feel empowered by it, he said. So it's a euphoric feeling and you feel very, very committed to it. But then you're also at the same time afraid that if you don't conform or you say suddenly the wrong thing, you'll be excommunicated or purged by other people. That can put a lot of pressure on the members, especially those who don't have much of a life outside of the movement. You feel almost a suicidal because you feel like you've lost your ent- your entire uh, reason for being, York said. So the fear of doing that makes them conform more to this narrowing of the ideology and some of them become super activists who see their role as taking it to the next level and sort of outdoing the others and being the leaders. In his experience, since members get to depend on the movement for a sense of purpose and belonging, they won't let go of it easily. I think the only way they can get out of it is to sort of suffer what has been called existential disappointment, he says. Your heart is broken by what you perceive as the irreparable failures of the movement and that you can't fix it in anymore or you're purged from it maybe that was his experience he still believed in animal rights and environmental causes but could no longer identified with the activism he was particularly turned off by people bringing marxist ideas into the movement he said i don't really think they belong to those movements but i was alone in that in the end he felt he had to leave it's as serious as very committed relationship breaking apart but you get over it he said just like a heartbreak it repairs in time It's actually normal for young people to pursue a controversial cause. When you're a teenager, you rebel, and you adopt this alien identity that eventually you grow out of. It's called individuation, York said, referring to the term used by psychologist Carl Jung. The problem with taking up the transgender cause for this purpose is that it can leave lifelong consequences. Gender Gender transition is a long process that can be extremely taxing on both the physical and mental health of the patient, especially when it reaches the level of surgery. So even even going through the transition to help bring about a sense of normalcy in their mind, ladies and gentlemen, leads to physical and mental health 
problems. This is much more serious than just becoming a punk rocker, he noted. The way the movement presents itself, however, is exactly by catering to the individuation urge. On social media, which has amplified this a lot, these kids, they're drawn to the power of this movement because it has such conviction, he said. Matching that conviction can earn one praise and encouragement, often a source commodity in adolescence. What happens in this community is that you feel compelled to jump in with both feet and become hardcore. There are rewards involved in doing this, York said. The solution, he said, would be to offer people an alternative paradigm which has to be as strong as the thing it's replacing. As an activist, it's hard to go from something that gives you ultimate meaning to just regular everyday life again. It's very difficult to make that transition, he said. Because every day, life is not fulfilling. You have your boring job or school or the problems in life and you still see the problems everywhere that compelled you to be an activist and they're not being addressed. The alternative thus needs to be deeper and more meaningful. You have to have something as powerful to draw you away from it almost like another faith, if you will. He said, and that's the end of that article, ladies and gentlemen. Again, that's Epic Times. I'll put the link up in the in the um, description area for this for this uh, episode. But I don't know. I, as I was reading that, and you're hearing this, does it bother you as it much as it bothers me that this ideology, this lifestyle, this thing that we call transgenderism, is being pushed upon all of us in such a manner that we are being forced? And yes, ladies and gentlemen, forced to accept it as normal or we must pay the consequences. And those consequences literally could be violence against us, violence against a Christian school and innocent children. It could be violence, you know, against anybody that's, you know, even this, uh, what was it, Kylie uh, Rains, who was attacked. She was an Olymp- um, Olympic. She was a a um, college swimmer, and she was attacked for simply saying that there's men and women are different. And she was attacked by a man in a dress in San Francisco. I mean, is that that's what we're we're being? You know, we you either accept it and don't question it and celebrate it, or you'll be attacked, maybe even shot dead in your place of business. Maybe your children will be shot dead. We'll make a statement by killing your kids in a school and it's you Christians it's you Christians pushing your Christian views upon the rest of us we'll go into your school and kill your children that's what we'll do this whole trans this this whole transgenderism is just that it's nonsense it's wicked it's evil it's mental illness on display and ladies and gentlemen the more we accept it or the more we don't say anything, many of you d- don't accept it. Oh, no, that's weird, that's strange, that's not normal, but you're too afraid to say anything. And th- one of the reasons why this is becoming such a huge problem around us in our schools with our children, our children, as this article says, they're being groomed by the very teachers we send our children to. I- I'll be honest with you, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. I honestly don't see how any parent in their right mind can send their child to these public indoctrination centers we call the public school system. There's wickedness in the classrooms. There's wickedness being taught and being forced down our children's throats. Absolute wicked. You might say, well, no, my, my, my school in my area, it's good. No, it's not. No, it's not. 
It's just, it's not. If it's a public school, it's wicked, it's evil, and they're pushing this garbage on our children. They're being forced to. Because even if those teachers, even if the, the administrators of your particular school don't want to, they're being forced to do it by state and the federal government. So it's not good. It's not right. You may have a wonderful teacher at heart, but if they're being forced, but even still, um, I could never do it. Even if I lost my job, I would never do it. And yet there be, many of them are still doing it. So I'm asking you parents, why are you sending your children to these indoctrination centers? Why are you sending your children to these places where they may not have in a, in a six-hour period every day or however long your children go to school, they may not have one positive influence in their life. Not one positive, not one righteous influencer in their life. You might think they are. You might think they do. But when they have this kind of garbage being pushed upon them, they may go through their, their entire school time from kindergarten to eight, uh, grade 12 and possibly even in college without one righteous, positive influence in their life. Think about that. Think about that. I know it's just easier to pack little Johnny's lunch and send him to the school bus every day and forget about him until 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock, or whatever time he gets off of that bus. How was your day, little Johnny? Oh, it was fun, Mommy. I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a girl. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not funny. But again, this could be, you know, Mad TV or Saturday Night Live. And yet ch parents, parents that sit in church or parents that are just decent kind of conservative parents, for the most part, send these, their children, their own flesh and blood, their own children who they are responsible to, to these indoctrination centers, where in many cases they you know, your kids could be taken by a school administrator and started on these transitionary, uh, you know, drugs and such without your consent. If little Johnny wants to be named as, uh, or called Jane at school, they'll do it and they won't tell you about it. If little Johnny comes in and says, teacher, I'm no longer a boy. I want to be a girl. I want to wear this dress in class. But my mom and dad will get mad. Okay, wear your dress in class and we just won't tell your mom and dad, little Janie. I mean, that's how ridiculous it is. And, and people just send their children into that. I don't understand it. And they're being radicalized in the same way that Muslims are being radicalized to go out and commit murder, all in the name of Islam. These these young people, these impressionable young people are being radicalized to not only become transgender, men in dresses and women as as men, but then it take it a step further to even be radicalized to the point of violence. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is being happened. This is happening. And and the few transgender people that are actually being murdered, most of them are in domestic violence. And in prostitution issues, it's not, again, it's not like good straight people are driving around in mobs or marching the streets with baseball bats in their hand, hoping to find a, a man in a dress and beat him down. That's not happening, ladies and gentlemen, at least not on the levels that the transgender movement and the people that use them as political pawns, the Democrat Party, it's not happening. It's just simply not happening the way they want to. When I first started reading that article, I pointed out that there was a picture at the beginning of this article of somebody holding a sign saying to, um, you know, protect uh, trans children, transgender people, something of that nature. And uh, 
isn't it interesting that it says protect transgender children and they're put they're saying this protect transgender children we got to protect transgender children protect transgender ch- children but the very people that are saying protect transgender children are the very ones that would have no problem taking one of those children to a doctor a sicko pervert doctor who will start them on these drugs puberty blockers and all that and then ultimately take them under the knife to cut off pieces of their body so if it's a male that says, I'm a female, they'll cut off all the pieces of the body that makes them look like a male. Or vice versa, if it's a female that says she actually is a man, they will cut off some of their body and add to them other parts that don't belong there. I mean, so it's the same people that are saying protect trans children are the same ones that will lead them to literally to the slaughter. And then we're supposed to just sit back and not say anything about it. And again, on one hand, I real I feel sorry for the transgender people. Not all of them. Some of them are just so absolutely corrupt and wicked at the core and at the beginning. Um, but many of them are just honestly confused people, and and they are being used. <laughs> they are being used as political pawns and pawns by uh, people the 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 liberal left. Well, the Democrat Party, who's championing their cause, the Democrats. They don't care about them. They absolutely don't care about them one bit, other than the fact that they can help them secure their power and further their overall agenda, which is control. That's all the Democrats really care about. So I'm sorry, you transgender people, you may be really upset at everything that I just said, but I'm telling you, you are being used as a pawn. You are, you are, you are uh, easily disposable by the Democrat Party. No long, when they no longer need you, off to the side you go. Uh, you are just being, you're going to be pushed aside. How do I know this? Every four years we see this, especially in the black community and most every minority community, but especially in the black community. The Democrats roll into town. They make all these promises. They bash the Republicans as being the racist and not doing anything for them. But the, the Democrats are going to champion their cause. And then they, they vote for them. They vote them in. And at the end of those four years, you ask those same people, so what did that guy do for you? What did that Democrat do for you? Uh, nothing. We're no better off now than when we started. Right. Um, how long has the Democrat Party been championing the homosexual movement and the transgender movement? Well, for quite a while now. What have you got? You've got feelings. You're running around feeling like there's a transgender genocide going on when it's not happening. So they played upon that mental stress that you're dealing with and they're using you for themselves, for their own agenda, for their own control. And once they're done with you, once they've achieved their goal, you're going to be pushed to the side. That's the way it is. That's the way they are. That's the way it's always been. And that's the way they always will be because the Democrat Party as a whole, is very wicked, very evil at its root and at its core and at its very platform. So, of course, they're going to use you. They're going to use you until they no longer need you. So, ladies and gentlemen, we need to let our voices be heard. We need to stand up in compassion for the transgender people, people suffering, because they truly are suffering, whether they want to admit to it or not. But at the same time, we got to stand firm against this nonsense being pushed on us And we have to stop even acting like we're going to accept it as normal because it's not normal. It's a sickness. It's an illness that literally is turning these confused young people into murderers. And I, for one, don't want to be responsible for that on any level. And if keeping my voice 
and my mouth shut is going to help them, then I'm going to be loud and I'm going to, I'm going to say it loud and I'm going to keep talking about it because I want to help them come out of it, but I also I want to help everybody else understand the evil behind it so we're not caught off guard, we don't get caught up in it, and no more people are shot and killed by these radicalized, confused young people. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask you this. I want to challenge you. Let your voice be heard. Stand up for righteousness. Stand up for what is right. Stand up for what has worked for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. And every time the other is tried, it has failed. Just think and always remember Sodom and Gomorrah. You got that right. Thank you for joining us at Table Flippers. I truly appreciate you. You can write me at gwccrobert at gmail.com. That's gwccrobert at gmail.com. Please let me know how I'm doing. Remember to pick up some of our merchandise. You can find the link at gwcclancaster.org. That's gwcclancaster.org. Until next time, be continually blessed.